you have your Bible with you, turn to Luke chapter 2. We are answering this question, why Christmas this morning? What is the reason for the season? Last week we were in Luke chapter 2. We were focusing on Luke uh, 2 verse 10 last week. We said, the angel said to them, speaking to shepherds, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And despite what you may feel when Christmas comes and when Christmas goes, the reality of Christmas is that Christmas is about celebration. It is about celebrating the good news. The good news means gospel, and it's good news because it's about Jesus Christ, that He has come, that God sent His Son to this earth to live a life that you and I couldn't. He died a death that we couldn't. He paid a debt that we couldn't, and He rose again so that we might be completely forgiven. That's why they're proclaiming good news to these shepherds. And that's why we're to celebrate Christmas. Um, that's why we have festive songs and we say Merry Christmas because it is about celebrating what God has proclaimed uh, into eternity and for our souls and for our salvation. And that brings us to our next reason for this season is that Christmas is about salvation. Look with me in chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, Today in the city of David, these are the angels still speaking to the shepherds, Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. And I want us to walk through this so we can see what God is saying, what the the words that these angels are giving to these shepherds, what it means in their context so we can understand it in our world today. And it begins by understanding that is born for you there in verse 11. It says, this is where it, it begins. The angels were speaking to shepherds and we hit on this a little bit last week, but we need to understand the role of a shepherd in this day and age. And it goes all the way back to Genesis. God called Moses, Moses, or God called Abraham. Abraham came out and he was a shepherd, a very successful shepherd, so much that it caused a little dispute between his family and Lot, so that's why he and Lot separated. But as Genesis goes on, and even though Mo, or Abraham's son and grandsons all become shepherds, what we find by the end of Genesis and we come to chapter 1 of Exodus that shepherds were very detestable among the rest of the world. They were an abomination because they dealt with these animals and they lived out within the, the surroundings and the elements. And so the world did not view shepherds as a very high position to be sought after or a very high position that you would want to go after. Yet we find in scripture that God doesn't look at the world's views or the world's positions on people or their titles. Because God calls Abraham out to be a shepherd. He calls a shepherd fugitive by the name of Moses to go and get his people and to bring them out of slavery. He calls a shepherd to become the king who would bring Israel into its full power and splendor through David. And here he is calling the shepherds for the very first people outside of Mary and Joseph to come and witness and to celebrate what God is doing in this life. And so I think a lot of people have issues with uh, feeling that God may not know who they are, care who they are. They've got certain situations in their life that other people may not look too highly upon. But what we find here in Scripture is that Christmas is, is about salvation and salvation is for all. God first goes to the outcasts. He first goes to those individuals that nobody thought about, nobody cared to think about, nobody wanted to be around. God first goes to them and proclaims to them the good news that in the city of David, there is a child that has been born for you who is Christ the Lord. See, in this day, shepherds went the way of, of comparable to our day of the electronic repairman. How many of us in here remember when you would take something electronical to go to repair, not speaking about cars? VCR repairmans, DVD repairmans. We may do it with our computers. But a lot of times, what happens if your VCR... Anybody still have a VCR? I do in the garage. I saw it the other day. Um, 
It's like, oh, wow. Uh, anyway, um, but uh, <laughs> DVDs and Blu-rays. When your DVD and Blu-ray player goes out, do you go find a repairman for them? Most time what we do, we go get something new. And so the way of the shepherd in, in this day, in this context, kind of went the way of the electronic repairman is that we, there are still people out there who can do it. And you can still find them. But the reality is that we don't think about them that much. We don't go searching for them. And so the shepherds are out in the elements. They have to stay out with the sheep at night. They're watching over things that do not belong to them, but belong to someone else. A Jewish boy would not grow up saying, man, I hope one day I can be a shepherd. He also wouldn't say, I hope I can be a fisherman one day. Because those things that took no talent, they took no training, they took no schooling. Those were not the, the high rank positions in society. These were usually given to the slaves and to the youngest son of the family. Hey, you go out and watch your father's sheep. They belong to your father. Matter of fact, shepherds, if they lost a sheep, they would have to make up the loss out of their own income. They would have to pay for it. Even though it didn't belong to them, there was such a, an accountability upon them. But they were just out there. We know they're there, but they're just there. They were kind of like Mike Rowe's dirty jobs. It's, it's a job somebody had to do, but we just don't want to do it, and so someone else can do it. And God on this night sends forth his heavenly host to proclaim to these shepherds that probably felt like outcasts, probably felt forgotten, probably were tired and run down, and he proclaims to them, guess what I am doing right now? There is a child that has been born in the city of David who is Christ the Lord. And it lets us know that God doesn't play favorites. He doesn't base accusations or conclusions based upon the world's point of view. God did not send his heavenly host to governors or kings or princes or emperors. He sent his news to shepherds. You know, when our kids were born, we posted pictures on Facebook. And as I see kids being born to friends that I have or they're going to weddings, you know, we post those things, right? We celebrate those things. We put it out there for, for all to hear. When you look here, Luke chapter 10, verse 11, what we're seeing is God's invention of the instant message. He is sending an I am from the I am to the outcast society saying that I have come for all. And he is inviting them all to come and experience this gift of salvation. He goes right out to the overlooked and the unworthy and the undeserving. And it tells us that salvation and Christmas is about salvation and that salvation is for all. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned, but it also states in John 3.16, but salvation is a gift for all who believe. And Jesus Christ is the, the salvation gift. That's what Christmas is about. And so if you're here this morning and you're searching out what is church, what is Christianity, what is this Christmas thing all about, and the thing that's been holding you back is, is you've got this past, you've got this stuff in your life, you feel like, you know what, I, don't, I can't do this yet because all this stuff, and, and preacher, if you knew what I had there, you wouldn't extend an invitation for me. Well, you need to hear the words of Jesus. Jesus said, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. And this is what Jesus said. I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. Jesus come to call people like you, if that's what you're wrestling with, people who understand, I don't deserve to be in this presence. I don't deserve to sing praises to him. I don't deserve this. 
that's exactly where I need to be because then I understand what Christmas is about and what this salvation gift really does mean. That I am undeserving, but God deems me worthy. And he loves me that much. We see that this news here in verse 11, if you look there, the news that they say is that the, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. And again, that might not sound like much, but the city of David is, anybody know the city? Oh, little town of... There you go. All right, Bethlehem. So one thing God does is he tells these shepherds the exact location. God doesn't show up and say, all right, we're going to have a scavenger hunt. My son's born. Go find him. No, he says, look, he's born in the city of David. And since we know that these shepherds most likely have been Jews, they, they would have understood the city of David. That's Bethlehem. That's where the king David, the shepherd king, came from. And then now he's born there. And so they would automatically have been understanding that, all right, something major is happening here. Because these kids would have grown up hearing the, the law and the prophets and hearing about the stories of the coming Messiah and the anointed one. They would have known this is where he would come from, the line of David. And this proclamation comes and lets them know this is exactly where he is. Go and find him. And when it comes to salvation, which is what Christmas is about, this is exactly what God does. God doesn't let us try to have to figure this salvation stuff out. He doesn't let us try to figure out our own life before we can accept it. He comes out very plainly and says that I am the way and the truth and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, which is Jesus Christ. He comes out very clearly and says there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. You see, God didn't give some general or vague description of what was going on to these shepherds. He said, this is exactly where it's going on. This is exactly where it's taking place. And God comes to you this morning. Wanting you to understand Christmas about salvation and the understanding the means of salvation is only through Jesus Christ. It's not about coming to church, though that is important. It's not about giving tithes and offerings, though that is important. It's not even about reading your Bible, though that is important. It's about understanding that God loves you so much he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life who died on the cross for your sins and rose again. When I place my faith and my trust in that, when I believe God is for me that much, the Bible says I am saved. So it's not about my resume or what I bring to the table. It's about what God has already done. And not only in this location, when they hear this news, I mean, can you imagine growing up and hearing the stories of this of this Messiah, this Savior, this King who's going to bring God's kingdom to earth. And then all of a sudden, the heavenly hosts come and proclaim it. It's taking place at this moment. Can you imagine the excitement you would be experiencing that moment? I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm a dork. I understand it. Huge Star Wars fan. Yes, I've seen the new movie already. Let me tell you how it ends. No, uh, huge Star Wars fan. Um, and when the new Star Wars trailer came out for the movie that's currently in the theater, when it came out for the first time, I had it, I had it on my computer, and I was playing it, wasn't I? Amen, she says. And, and what happens in our house is when you hear, dun, 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 there's a little boy in our house that has glasses that's sitting right over here. That's like a dinner bell to him. And he came running, and he's like looking over my shoulder. We're watching. We're both getting excited about this thing because we just like the Star Wars story and everything goes in it and just the, the fantasy of it all. And we got excited about, you know, this new idea and this new story coming out, this new movie to see. That is just a glimpse. And you may not be excited about Star Wars. You may be excited about the Chiefs win or the Broncos win. I don't know. But 
That excitement, that is just a glimpse of what these shepherds who grew up hearing these stories that took place hundreds of years to this moment would have experienced. It would have been like Buddy the Elf hearing that Santa's coming to the department store. Santa! I mean, they would have been so ecstatic that they're ready to go. And, And God says he's born in the city of David. He's born in Bethlehem. He's fulfilling the prophecies of old. And these didn't just take place in like Isaiah and Jeremiah. You can go all the way back to Genesis. When God brings judgment upon man, the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, for their disobedience, their lack of trusting God. That's what it is. That's what sin is. Is I'm not trusting God. I trust it. I know better than what God says. And when they, when they did that, sin came in and God brings judgment into the garden. In the midst of that judgment, God speaks this prophecy that salvation is still coming. It has been set from eternity. And Genesis says, I will put hostility between you and the woman. He's speaking to the serpent that is representation of Satan. And between you, between your offspring and her offspring. And the offspring of Eve, which Matthew, the gospel, points to, is Seth. Which comes, is the line of the family of God. The offspring of Satan are those people who live in the world and are of the world. Sorry, not the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Luke. Let me correct that. And so what he's saying here in Genesis is that there's going to be this hostility. And guess what you do when you look out in the world and you see people proclaiming Christianity and then you see people living in the world? What do you find? Hostility. God said it back there in the very beginning. This is going to happen. This is what's going to take place. I'm going to put this hostility here. But you go on in Genesis. Abraham understood that when he spoke to Judah. He said the scepter will not depart from Judah or the staff between his feet until those to he whose right it is comes and the obedience of the people belongs to him. He's not speaking about Judah. He's not speaking about David. He's speaking about Jesus. And he's prophesying here in the very first book of the Bible. The prophet Jeremiah said, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. I will raise up a righteous branch for David. He will reign wisely as a king and administer justice and righteousness in the land. You look in Isaiah chapter 49 through 53, you can't help but see Jesus. You go to the prophet Micah. It says, Bethlehem, you are small among the clans of Judah, but one will come from you to be a ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient of times. What I'm getting at, when the shepherds are sitting here out in the fields, feeling left out, feeling overlooked, and no one cares about them, God sends his heavenly host to proclaim the prophecies are being fulfilled in this very moment. Go and see. I'm inviting you to come. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, understand that God puts out this invitation for you and for me, no matter what people think about you, to come, to come and see. This is Christmas. It's God's invitation of salvation. But it also tells us that salvation is set. That God has set this up from the beginning of time that his people, he knew we would sin. He knew we would fall short. He knew we would wrestle with trusting him. But God has set salvation from the beginning of time so that we might be saved. Christmas wasn't an idea we invented. God already had it on his calendar. He set it in place. And why is that important to know? Is because since salvation is a gift, it cannot be taken from you. My dad told me that I needed to wrap a couple presents, some boxes that were empty, and just wrap them up and put them under the tree. And so if you have kids and, and they act up at Christmas, you can give that thing, you know what, 
all these presents can go away. You ever gotten to that point? All these can go away. Well, my dad says you just wrap an empty box up in, in wrapping paper and you tell them all these things can go away. And if you don't shape up, I'm throwing one in the fire. And when they keep going, you throw it in the fire and you set them off in psychological mess for the rest of their life. But <laughs> the thing about salvation is it's a gift that cannot be taken from you. Because it is a gift set by God. It's not defined by us. It's already been defined by God. And he invites all people to come and take of this gift, to accept this gift. What's so important about this gift? We find it right here in verse 11. It says that he is the Savior. The word Savior means one who saves by delivering, persevering, healing, and or providing. We've already talked about the reason we need saving is because we need someone who can deliver us from our sin. This is why Jesus was born, to deliver us from my, from my sin and from our sin. That's salvation. It says he's not only the Savior, but he is the Christ and the Messiah. The word Christ is we say that a lot in Scripture and read that Jesus Christ is the word Christos, which is what we read here as Messiah. It comes from the Hebrew. It means anointed one. So when it says he's my Savior, he's coming to deliver me, and he's been anointed by God to do this. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. He's been anointed by God since the beginning of time to save us. And I want to bring that up real quick because I know sometimes there may be a few people in here, I don't know if you do or not, but you may stub your toe, you may get aggravated, and the thing that comes out of your mouth is Jesus Christ. The reality is, is when we say Jesus Christ because we stub our toes because we have so little understanding about what that means. The name Jesus comes from the name Joshua in the Old Testament, which means Yahweh saves, it's the Lord who saves. So when I say Jesus Christ, I'm saying the one who's been anointed by God to save me. And when I take it out of context, I'm breaking the law to which God has given me that I shall not abuse or misuse the name of the Lord because it is holy. So if you stub your toe, you can do what I do. I learned it from my father because I've had to practice it many times on the golf course. I swing, and it's supposed to go that way, and it goes that way. Amen, Joe? Where's Joe? He's security. He's keeping secure. It goes that way, and so I say, Michael! Because it's my fault. If you stub your toe and you're used to saying Jesus Christ, then say your own name. You did it. If you stubbed it really hard, then add your middle name, like your mama did. But I'm just saying, we need to understand that when God came to deliver this message that a Savior, one who's come to save you and he has been born, who is the Messiah, who is the Christ, who's been anointed by me and he is Lord, which means he should be revered. You should be in awe of him. And so when I do that, when I abuse the name of the Lord, I don't have awe or reverence towards God. I belittle him. That is just another name. When the Bible says his, his name is above every name, so to, to keep this about salvation, 
We've got to have a right view of what God has done because salvation is God's plan. It's God's plan to save you, to save me, to save every individual on this planet. That's God's will. That's God's desire that they would come to a saving knowledge of the truth. And so what I do is I represent that because now that I have accepted Jesus Christ, you know what God has done for you and me? He's invited us to be a part of his plan. Which means I don't get to define what the plan is. I just have to follow the plan book that he's given us in his word, the Holy Bible. It's holy because it's from God. It's Bible because it's a collection of books that speak about God's plan of salvation from Genesis to Revelation. And now God has invited me to be a part of this. And this is why Christmas is so important. Because Christmas is about God's salvation plan. And it is a gift. It is completely a gift. We see right here, God didn't invite these shepherds because of who society thought they were. He invited these shepherds because they probably knew who they were in society. They didn't deserve to come before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But when they were invited, they came. And when they saw, they went and proclaimed. And they understood that God was giving them a gift, an invitation. What's interesting is these shepherds were watching sheep. They're sitting outside the city of Bethlehem. And sheep in those days were not used for wool as much as for sacrifice. And many of these sheep that these shepherds were watching were probably being prepared for the Passover sacrifice. The Passover sacrifice was a time that the Jewish people remembered in the book of Exodus when God sent his promise that if they covered their doorpost with the blood of the lamb and they eat of the sheep as one family, that his wrath and his spirit would pass over them. That's why the Passover and they would be delivered from slavery. As these shepherds are watching these sheep, that many of them are just being prepared for the Passover feast. We see that Christmas is foreshadowing what Jesus came to be. So God extends an invitation to shepherds watching sheep to come and see the atoning sacrifice. The final sacrifice, the sheep that will be slaughtered for the world. And Jesus takes that image as well. We turn to the Gospel of John and you read through that. Jesus sits in the last night with his disciples and they're before a table, not quite like this. They sit on a table and they're taking of the Passover feast. And he's letting them know, this is why I came. This is why I was born. That my body, like this bread, would be broken for you. That my blood, like this wine, would be poured out for you so that your sins can be completely forgiven and that the wrath of God would pass over you because you're no longer seen in your sin, but you're seen in my righteousness. This is what this is about. As we are ready to come to the Lord's Supper, this is what it's about. This is what Christmas is about, that God has given us the gift of salvation. We come to remember this gift, but this isn't for everybody. Just as the, Jew, as the Jewish Passover was not for every individual, Except for those who had come into the, the covenant under the Jewish rites. So the Lord's Supper is not for everyone here this morning, but only for those who have professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and confessed Him. 
I mean, if you're here this morning, this is what God is sending to you right now. He's sending you an invitation like these shepherds to come and see this incredible gift and accept this incredible gift. But it's not about who you are, who you think you should be. It's all about what God has already done for you through Jesus Christ. That He died on a cross for your sins. He rose again that you could be completely forgiven. He paid it all. And we come to this table to remember, and we come to Christmas to remember that very truth. If you're here this morning, you've yet to accept Jesus Christ. Let this be the day of your salvation. The Bible says, when I admit that I'm a sinner, I fall short. I do things that I'm not too proud of sometimes. Things I wouldn't post on Facebook. When I admit that I do those things, but I believe God still loves me, that Jesus still paid for those things, and that He rose again, I can be completely forgiven. Past, present, and future is what the Bible calls justified. When I believe it, the Bible says I need to confess it. I need to make it publicly known. And trust me, in this place, no one's going to condemn you for coming and confessing Jesus Christ. They're going to celebrate with you. But I need to confess that. And so I come down here and stand at this time of invitation to invite you to come and see and accept Jesus Christ so you might be saved. And when you do that, Jesus invites us to the table. If you look in the Gospel of John, you find that Jesus excused Judas before he came to the table. He washed his feet but he did not let him take of the Lord's Supper. So if you're here this morning, you have to accept Jesus Christ. It's not about if you're not a Southern Baptist. Not about that at all. But if you have to accept Jesus Christ, then I ask you not to take of this. But if you're here and you believe this and this is something you want to be a part of, you want to come to the table, I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. I'm going to be standing right here. You need to come down and say, Pastor Mike, I want the gift of salvation. Or I want Jesus. <laughs> I guarantee you I'll be happy. <laughs> but if that's where you are, I'm going to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time of year. Thank you that you call the lowly and the outcast. You call us all to come to your table, to come to your presence, to accept your gift. And Lord, that's why it's good news. It's for everyone. I thank you for what you're doing here. And I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of the people. Lord, I ask you to forgive me, and if anyone else may understand this, but forgive me when, when I forget that this season is not about us giving gifts, but about accepting your gift, about remembering your gift. I thank you that you have blessed us in such a way we can give gifts to one another. But Lord, I pray for all of your people here this morning that we remember that you are the reason for the season. You came to save us and to bring back that which was lost. Father, I pray for the individuals here this morning that have yet to accept you, that you would give them the courage to step out in faith, just come down the aisles and just let it be known and proclaim it. They want to be saved. Lord, just continue to move. Thank you for using me and ask your spirit just continue to move and prepare us as we get ready to come to your table remember what you did for us come this time of invitation let us not just be hearers of your word but doers in this moment praise on the name of jesus amen stand as we sing